murderers decoding the crime verse. 911, what's your emergency? Welcome to Decoding the Crime Verse. I am Nalzi Lee. And I am Danny. And today, guys... Danny's excited about this me, topic. Let me tell you, this man has a very special place in my heart. In my heart Please don't. Well. Please hear my heart, not my words. Because <laughs> I'm not a psychopath criminal, I promise. But this man, if I could have dinner with anyone in history, he would be in my top five. Okay, he'd, yeah, my top five, not my top three. Okay, my top three. Okay, uh, I don't know who's my third person in my top three. <laughs> <laughs> Mind Winston Churchill, Al Capone, and I don't know the third one either. I don't know. I'd probably Ooh. say Winston Churchill. Yeah. Hitler. Okay. Okay, please, please just <laughs> leave me be. And then I'd probably say Luciano. Actually. Yeah. Luciano is also there. Oh, Luciano. If you haven't listened to our show on gangsters go listen to that because i don't understand what you're doing with your life oh no 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 <laughs> i change i change change mine. okay okay so it would be winston churchill mm-hmm. it would be hitler mm-hmm. and it would be um pablo escobar oh i change again <laughs> it would be winston churchill pablo escobar sorry hitler you're in my top five though and then the third one would be catch me if you can what's his name what's his name frank abignale frank abignale oh that's a nice list yeah i like that yeah i also want dinner no you see if i go to dinner with jack the ripper i might not end End up up alive no you won't (laughs) definitely but today when you think of the 1920s it is impossible not to include the flamboyant character with a cigar and a fifty thousand dollar pinky ring guys fifty thousand dollars in the 1920s i don't want to know what that lots pinky ring lots of money. costs now with two scars running across his left cheek to his customs tailored suits to his fedoras and diamond encrusted stick pins he loved attention wanting people to adore him his name was Al Capone! <laughs> Let's go! And he became a symbol of American greed and corruption in the 1920s and 30s, dominating organized crime and becoming one of the most feared and infamous gangsters of the time. I don't like that. What? He became the American symbol of greed. No, he didn't. He became the American symbol of organized crime at its Is finest. Is organized crime not greed? <laughs> no. Hmm? Huh? Mm. Mm. You're telling me you're not greedy when you have that $50,000 pinky ring. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we're going to tell you about... We're literally going to go from his birth to his death. We're going to give you all the facts. We're going to give you some important moments, some stories. He's got some very interesting moments in his life. One of the moments is the reason why we chose to do the show today. Because Nolene and I have been holding off the show. Yeah for a while because we <laughs> long time <laughs> we, we knew we had to do it today but we'll explain when we get there can i just say something yes i wish him mm. luciano mm. and pablo mm. were good looking like no, why are the gangsters like ugly you know you're actually so right i wish they were actually good looking because that happened? would take it over the top okay luciano was 
I think the least likely. Yeah. Probably when he was younger, he was quite I feel like when he was younger, he could have been pretty good. But this guy, Al Capone, uh, I'm sorry, no. mate. Sorry. Don't come at me. Nope. And Escobar. Mm? Okay, no, he was quite ugly. <laughs> so, Gabriel and Teresa Capone made a big move from Sicily to New York in 1894. Gabriel was obviously looking for a new life in America because at the time life in europe wasn't exactly the greatest so we had lots of immigrants fleeing to the america americas to try to get like a new life and start up for themselves yeah but when he arrived he found that it's not a great life waiting he found that immigrants were basically seen as the villains especially italians because they were seen as the re- reason for the increased crime rates and stuff like that yeah but obviously well i mean they were living in really shady conditions yeah. <laughs> i mean okay so um the capones welcomed their fourth son on the 17th of january 1990 sorry 1899 alfonso gabriel capone i'm gonna name one of my dogs capone i would right i actually would capone come here <laughs> you are so naughty i wonder why capone Probably what did name. you <laughs> Okay, that's now on my bucket list. (laughs) (laughs) The family settled into a hard life around the Brooklyn Naval Yards, which was a pretty rough area. And by the age of 10, Al Capone had already begun to exhibit his toughness and brashness that basically then carried on to his adult life for what he became known for. He also emerged as a natural leader because at the age of 14, he started his own gang called the Naval Street Gang, which was to protect Italian women who were being harassed by their Irish neighbours. So, I mean, good intentions, I suppose. <laughs> I guess he wasn't robbing people and then say, pay me to protect you. But then you he was expelled from, from school from, for, for punching a teacher in the face. Yeah. So, he's but he said, he said that she hit him first. So, I don't know. But it's a she. Yeah, I know. You don't hit girls ever. Okay, the family managed to move out of the Italian ghetto due to Gabriel's hard work and Al found himself now in kind of a middle class area which was more closer located to the very wealthy area which is actually where the Rockefellers live. So if you don't know who the Rockefellers are, they're like one of the biggest New York families. I mean, there's the Rockefeller Center. It is massive. They have this huge gold statue on the outside. So it's like, those are the people. If you think of New York, you think of the Rockefellers, okay? However, this area was strictly off limits to immigrants like Capone. But Capone, well, he looked there and was like, why can't I have what they have? (laughs) And that obviously set off his ambition. At age 19, he had become a local thug and he was trained in gun and knife use. And on December 30th, 1918, he married May Coling. At 19, guys. Great. Very young. Three weeks earlier, May had given birth to their son, Albert. Did you know Albert died in 2004? Really? I, I found that out, yeah. Because I was, I was kind of like searching for him and it's like 2004. I was like, oh, I was alive at the <laughs> same time as Al Capone's son. Okay, I was very small, but that's not the point. <laughs> okay, family life encouraged him to live a more respectable life because of his wife and child. And so he actually moved them out of the neighborhood and bad influence to Baltimore, where he took the job as a bookkeeper, which ironically became the skill he needed when he was running his organized racket. <laughs> I like smart criminals. We, we love... Sp- That's why I love organized yeah. crime. Because these people are so smart. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about it in our gangsters episode, how Luciano is seen as one of the titans of yeah. the 20th century. You don't just get named one of the titans for, for nothing. For no reason. You, you put 
put in the effort and oh guys <laughs> this, this, this makes me so happy hear my heart not my words i'm not a criminal at most times i'm kidding okay so now obviously this could have been the end of the story he could have just been a bookkeeper. Yeah. But no, that's not what happened, obviously. Because no. yeah. what happened was his father died and then the rest of the family kind of like, okay, you are now providing the guidance, you are, you are providing the financial support, but Mr. Capone is only a bookkeeper. Yeah. Not making the millions <laughs> yeah. to support the whole family. And basically at the same time as his father died, what had happened is in the local gang in Baltimore's leader, whose name was Big Jim Colosimo, was shot dead. And during this time... A man named Johnny Torrio was determined to step in and take control. Now, Torrio was, he played quite a big role in the New York gangs. Mm. And he'd actually been who Al Capone had worked for when he was in like the gang life as a kid. So when he came to Baltimore, he was like, come be my right hand man. Capone's like, okay, cool. So he... He actually started as a collector to ensure that extortion payments were made. And then he um, was promoted to main bouncer and bartender at the Harvard Inn on Coney Island. However, it was at this establishment that one night Al told a girl or made some very not nice comments. Yep, Al Capone. (laughs) And while the brother of the girl was like, I'm sorry. What? What? Who's sister? (laughs) What did Mm -hmm. you just say? And actually, that's when he attacked Al Capone's face, giving him the two scars that would end up him being called for the rest of his life. Scarface. Because, you know, gangsters always have their little... I feel like he would have been epic just being Scarface and also epic just being Al Capone, but he had two. We like, Al, Scarface, Capone. Capone, It's like you don't get more... You don't get more epic (laughs) than this. Okay. Now, there were also several rumors going around that Al had been involved in a couple of murders and it was bringing unwanted police attention. So, Capone was called into a meeting with our boy Lucky Luciano, who was one of the biggest bosses of New York. And he said to Capone, my guy, get out of here. Go to Chicago. So, Al, Al arrived in Chicago in 1921. He left his wife and baby behind in Brooklyn and said, Come back, come to Chicago once I've set up a new life. Now, obviously, now the New York bosses now want their hands in Chicago because yeah. the organized crime, they're looking everywhere to to put their fingers in and yeah. meddle. So obviously now, because they knew they could work with Capone, they were like, hmm, Chicago, let's, let's, let's do this. But can you imagine being as big as Lucky Luciano Ooh, where you tell guys, a whole Al Capone, Capone to, to leave. get out of New York <laughs> and he goes. And he doesn't even question <laughs> you. Okay. And basically t- uh, Johnny Torrio then st- went to Chicago and his whole job now was to get Capone to start using his brains instead of his fists. Yeah. Okay, he gave Capone a position at a head bouncer and bartender of the Four Deuces, which is a four-story building, which also served as an office, a saloon, a cafe, and a brothel, which Capone spent lots of time in and contracted syphilis. Mm-hmm. Good for you. You <laughs> mess around and suffer. Okay, this place was no not for the weak of heart because there were dozens of old unsolved murders taking place all the time and Al played a large role in them especially if Torrio needed people dispatched yeah. and eliminated and Al did so well that in the first year he became a partner sharing in the $100,000 profits annual profits now that's a million rand for South Africans yeah. and that's the 1920s yeah 
can you imagine what it would be today? And after this, Capone just dove deeper and deeper and deeper into the underworld. Okay, however, as authorities began to crack down on organized crime, Torio actually spread his businesses into suburbs because suburbs are more easily to control the police yeah. and the politicians. And it's this expansion that actually gave way to the empire that Capone basically inherited from Torio later on in his life. Okay, when Capone... Cause, I mean. I mean, as much as we love Capone, he was given stuff on a silver platter. Yeah, he, he was, was handed this empire. Yeah. Because when he arrived in Chicago, there was a whole several gambling and prostitution operations already set up in a near town called um, Burnham, okay? Then, however, they had to move from Burnham in 1923 because there was a harsh mayor which was really putting his fist down on crime. So they moved to the town of Cicero. And this is where like things really start to build and this empire just starts to grow because yeah. this is ultimately the beginnings of the Chicago outfit which yeah. I mean if you think about it when you think of gangsters and mobsters you think of New York you think of LA and you think of Chicago, Chicago yeah. I mean and this was the beginnings of it and in, in Cicero Torrio made a deal with the politician saying okay I'll close down the brothels if you let me continue my gambling and my bootlegging mm. and they were like okay just give us <laughs> profits yeah so um, he was like, cool bananas, two out of the three, why not? Let's just, <laughs> let's just get it sure. <laughs> and now they basically own the entire town of Cicero. In January 1924, Torrio actually embarked on a trip to Venice and Capone took charge. And his first challenge was keeping these politicians in power. So what did he do? He bought in some muscle and people would walk around with guns or use their fists and intimidate voters into voting for who he wanted. They literally Hectic. walk with you to the ballot box, make sure you tick the person they want and you put it inside your guys' emotions. I would tick that person oh, so quickly. You wouldn't even hmm? need to bring the bodyguard nope. I would have ticked it already. <laughs> already. Like, there you go. <laughs> and basically, people were obviously outraged by this and then a judge, Edmund D. Jarecki, deputized 70 Chicago cops who went into Cicero in plain clothes and basically they now were trying to, how can we stop Capone? Yeah. They came across Frank Capone, Al's brother, and they gunned him down in the street, riddled him with bullets. And you can imagine the anger. anger. Now Capone, <sighs> he was very brut brutish during his younger ages, but as Torrio had been training him, he'd gotten quite more sophisticated. Yeah. Well, not anymore. You know the straw that broke the camel's back? This? Yeah. This is the moment that unleashed his savage nature and it, this resulted in his name becoming synonymous with violence. It's yeah. why we, when you think of Al Capone, you think of a guy beating another guy with a baseball bat. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? I don't know where I saw that. He literally beat someone to death with a <laughs> baseball bat. I don't know what I was watching. On May 8th, 1924, his partner in a prostitution ring, Jack, had been roughed up by an Irish man called Joe Howard. Please listen to this, guys. You know you are epic. You, go, <laughs> you find Mr. Joe yeah. in the restaurant, okay? There are dozens of witnesses. And you ask Joe, yo, what happened to Jack? And Joe's like, um, says a few things, you know, not kosher things. Yeah. And in the middle of the restaurant, you pull out a gun and you just, bah, headshot. Finished. In the dozens of witnesses. Yeah. And they were not able to convict you. I don't I'm know, sorry. Man. This guy was just what? a lot. 
How? Explain yourself. That's just so epic. I'm sorry, guys. I want to just have dinner with him, <laughs> please. And this is basically the beginning of his persona. And actually, we have a treat for you. Yeah. We have his voice recording. His actual voice. His actual voice Yay. about his his life. Well, he gives a reason for his being in Chicago. Yeah. So we're going to play it for you, you now. I came to Chicago with $40 in my pocket. My son is now 12. I'm still married and I love my wife dearly. We had to make a living. I was younger than I am now and thought I needed more. I didn't believe in prohibiting people from getting the things they wanted. I thought prohibition was an unjust law, and I still do. His voice is so cool, but so weird at the same I time. I think he anyway. has a weird voice, but yeah. Cool. Anyway, so that was Al Capone's voice. Imagine that we are hearing Al Capone. Uh, please, someone let it's me go back to history. the 20s. Please, <laughs> I just want to go. Anyway, in January of 1925, Johnny Torrio was ambushed by a rival gang. He was shot and then he was like, screw it, I'm done with this life. And he handed the keys over to Capone. He's like, here you go. Yeah. Have it. Take over. And I mean, he literally handed Capone a gold mine. And it wasn't just a gold mine. It was an organized gold mine. Yeah. Because can I tell you, most of Capone's, the people in Cicero, 99% of them had never seen one of Capone's gangsters. Because... It was actually all done through politics. So, for example, if you were a non-compliant merchant, they'd just raise your taxes or they'd pro- like forbid you from parking in front of your shop. Yeah. So, like, people soon got the message, but, like, the, the fact that they were able to control the city without even using force. That's I hectic. mean, it's insane. And now, obviously, he's got Cicero, but he's not just happy with Cicero. Yeah. No, no. He wants the north of Chicago now. So, but in order for that, he has to go up... Go up against one of the deadliest gangs Chicago has ever seen, and they were known as the Jenners. Never heard of them. Well, obviously Capone defeated <laughs> them. But anyway, okay, they operate now. They oper- They were hectic gangsters. I mean, they operated out in the open. They even had their own police protection. Imagine the gangsters walking around with the policeman next to him. That is just. Just imagine that. That is cool on another level. <laughs> You are a whole mafia boss and your the policeman is right there next to yeah. you. Walk. I mean, what? And basically, the Jenners had been a major supplier to Torrio and Capone outfits in the past. I mean, they'd even supported each other against battles with other gangs. However, after crushing another gang called the Obanian Oba- Gang, I think that's how you pronounce it, yeah. the Jenners decided, okay, let's take out Capone. Um, Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay, listen, that was your undoing. That was your own fault yeah. for doing that. You you made the decision. I don't feel sorry for you because they selected a couple of members to go assassinate Capone. Mm. But these guys were like, if we try, we're probably dead. Yeah. So they went to Capone. They're like, um, so the Jenners have hired us to kill you. Capone is like, what? sorry. Who are you killing? So then he turned them. They then killed three of the Jenner brothers yeah. and the other Jenner brothers fled to <laughs> Which now left Capone with the problem of defeating the leftovers of the Obanian gang. Because obviously the Jenners hadn't wiped them out completely. Yeah. And they had raided Capone's headquarters a couple of times. And they'd even tried to assassinate him. So obviously you can imagine Capone is like... This guy's so cool. He's flashy. He's in the streets. He's everywhere. And no one can assassinate him. I'm sorry, he kills people in a restaurant and no one can convict him. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Okay, so he figured out that the the um, 
the organizer behind his assassination attempt was Jaime Weiss. And so Capone was like, this man is a dead man. Yeah. Okay. And they actually managed to kill Weiss and three of his bodyguards. But as in every situation, when some when a mob boss or anything falls, someone else's rises up. Yeah. And who rose up was Bugs Moran. And basically he stepped in and he was like, ah, ah Capone is gone. Gone. He even denounced him in the street, on in public. He was like, no, Capone's liquor is awful. Capone's women are awful. Capone was like, sorry? I don't know who this man's talking to. Does he know how many Say people have killed him? <laughs> Say this to my face. Could you imagine? And this eventually, Capone had enough and it led to the event, which basically is probably the most infamously associated with yeah. Al Capone. And the reason why we chose to do the show today, and that is the St. Valentine's Day massacre because obviously it's the 11th of february valentine's day in yeah. a couple of days we thought it's only fitting to th- talk about the massacre on our valentine's so day we show. didn't forget about capone all this time no no speaking believe about me him. we have been wanting to do <laughs> capone we have held the show off yeah we have been wanting i i, I was so excited when <laughs> I, I was even like okay which week do we have to do <laughs> i was counting down my weeks guys just let me go back to 1920. <laughs> it's really fine. So the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I mean, you don't get called a massacre unless... Yeah, you know, a yeah, lot of people died. It takes died. a lot. On February 14th, 1929, Capone ordered a hit on Moran. And guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain this, but it is so ingenious. And yeah. It's so freaking clever. Because basically, there were two men. Four men, sorry. Two dressed as police officers with... um pistols out and then two guys with machine guns in like normal clothes yeah. and what happened is they raided this warehouse that was like a common hangout for Morang's gang members and they thought they'd seen Moran go in so they're like let's go let's hit next thing all anyone heard gunfire rapid gunfire it then went silent the policemen then walked out and the t- uh, with two people with their hands up that is what they really what they did there. Oh my word. Okay. Did you see what they okay. did? Because they technically arrested, arrested the, these the shooters, guys. Yeah. The and everyone's like, who? Thank God the police here. But the sh- they were put on out of the know, shooters. Guys, yeah. Guys, this is why I love organized crime. <laughs> because we get stories like this. Basically, the seven men inside never had a chance. They didn't even have the chance to pull up um, to. Four against seven. Yeah, but I mean, when Why you, you guys wait, 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 wait. No, but listen, when you're, you're hit, there was a surprise. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, drop your guns. Yeah. Like, drop your guns. And they were lined up and they were shot. I think they used something stupid like 70 rounds of bullets on seven people. Hectic. <laughs> imagine. Just. Could you imagine? Like. Oh, my word. That must have been. Oh. And Sounds these people were literally murdered in cold blood. However, Moran was not amongst the victims. He hadn't actually been there. But it was enough to scare him off. And it eliminated all opposition on the north side. And Capone finally took over the north of Chicago. And yeah. after that, he took over the south again by going after rival gangs. And Al Capone became the king of Chicago. Yeah. Literally. I mean... As much as, I, I mean, Lu, what Luciano and stuff did, this single man, I mean, Luciano had a team, he had the commission. Yeah. And I mean, he had Murder, Inc. and stuff like that. Al Capone single-handedly took took out the whole city of Chicago. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. Anyway, 
by March of 1929, Al Capone was the undisputed king of Chicago, being portrayed as the ultimate gangster. So, yes. But unfortunately, it didn't last. I'd rather, <sighs> I'd rather it this way. What? I'd rather it this way than to have him die in a stupid no. way. No. You know what I would want? Remember we did that episode on the pirates? And the, that pirate queen was so epic, they had to ask her re- to retire and gave her yes! a palace. A freaking yes! palace. Yes, she was, she was epic. Because she was too, she was, they couldn't, Actually, they just couldn't defeat, Could you imagine Al Capone deserves that yeah. same ending? You okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I do agree. I would prefer this to him going out like Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Okay. So obviously Al Capone has attracted unwanted attention. First of all, for the St. Valentine's Day Massacre and obviously all his illegal criminal underworld activities. So the commission decreed that Joseph Alio, an old enemy Capone, would actually be put in place to kind of keep him in check. They also had this whole thing that anything, all the gambling money had to go through government. Like they they were trying everything to to slow him down and he was furious and he, did, he realized he needed to lie low for a bit so what he did is he got himself arrested for carrying a concealed weapon and then spent 16 months in prison yeah. however when he emerged from prison in march of 1930 he discovered that obviously things had changed he was now public enemy number one the federal government literally considered him as a menace to society and they were prepared to do absolutely anything to get him off the streets so obviously because i mean he was Killing people, liquor. I mean, man's was, was doing in a lot. every criminal activity you could, but th- no one, not even Elliot and his Untouchables. And I mean, to be called in the Untouchables, yeah, and you've got to be some epic police force, right? Yeah, they couldn't even pin anything on him. I mean, for Pete's sake, he shot a man in a restaurant, and you, you couldn't, you can't get I'm him sure arrested. I'm sure they should have frustrated that. you as a cop. Really. Like what? Anyway, so they decided. That the only way they could get him in jail was tax evasion. Oh, why didn't you pay your taxes, Capone? Capone, really? you know what? Pay to Caesar what is Caesar's. It would have saved you out right. of jail. But anyway. So, and this is also when his public image declined. Because he, before this, Al Capone had really created this image of himself as being like a Robin Hood. Yeah. And now that charges of tax evasion were being brought against him, like people were like, right. okay, no. Like literally... The crowds that used to cheer for him were literally now booing him in the street. Also, he used to bribe jury members. But the day of the trial, the judge changed the jury members. So the people he had bribed weren't on the jury. And he actually got um, found guilty of three accounts of tax evasion on October 24th, 1931. And he was sentenced to 11 years in prison, which is the harshest sentence ever given for tax evasion. But that's just because they needed him off the streets. Yeah. But there was nothing else that they could put him in prison for. Yeah. They were like, we'll just give you the maximum for tax <laughs> evasion. He spent most of his time in uh, Atlanta prison and spent his last three years at Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Ha, ha, ha. We've also done our show on Alcatraz. Yeah. If you, that was like early days yeah that was flip that was that an interesting actually, show though uh, after that show that was when we were like we have, we have to, to do, do a Al show Capone. Capone. yeah oh, well guys we've literally waited over a year yeah for the show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway the sad part is that because of his syphilis he's um his mental facilities were basic seriously eroded and by the time he died of cardiac arrest on 25th of january 1947 the doctors had concluded that he had the mind of a 12 year old child 
Imagine going from Al Capone to brain of 12 year old. I kind of feel like the story sucked when he laid low and like gave himself over to the police. Yeah, what was like that? Like of all the things you could fight? have done. Why not fight? Do you understand? I mean, you are the king of Chicago. Like, I feel like just handing yourself over. But to over. go against the commission, that's hectic. But I mean, Luciano also spent time in prison. But uh, when he spent his time in prison, he was still running his outfit. Yeah. I mean, he was in so much control of that prison that people bought him gourmet meals. Like, so, I, I don't know. I feel like... This is such a sucky ending for Al Capone. Exactly. I feel like he deserved an epic ending because he was so brilliant. Do you think the commission would have had something to do with this whole tax evasion? We're going after you, public enemy number one. Because as soon as he came out, they were probably like, ah, I need to get this guy back mm. into prison. Mm. That's interesting. No, I, I I wonder though, I wanna know, like, there's not a lot on like his child and his wife. Yeah. And I wonder did they actually move to Chicago with him? Yeah. Did they not? I feel like there's probably quite a few and uh, illegitimate children probably running around. Probably if he was so busy he got syphilis. Yeah, so he's probably a couple there running around. Yeah. Um but I mean, even before, I mean, the fact that he, his wife gave birth to her child three weeks before they got married. Um, yeah. Wrong way around. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, he is such an epic character. Uh, there is a series called Making of the Mob and there's a New York version, which is all about Luciano. And yeah. there's a Chicago version all about Al Capone. It is absolutely fantastic. It's yeah. eight episodes each, but it's like a documentary. Yeah. I remember watching... That's when I first really got into, like, organized crime Where when I watched it? that. Uh, they were on Netflix. I own them. Like, I actually... I love them so much. Oh. I actually bought them on iTunes. Oh, okay. That <laughs> Don't interesting. judge me. <laughs> um, yeah, so... We hope you enjoyed this as much yes. as we did. I know he had a sucky ending. That was such a terrible ending. In my eyes, he just continued to rule Chicago and then retired to the countryside. <laughs> In my eyes, he, like, did not run into prison for 13 months. He, like, stayed. I want to go to Chicago. I think that would be quite cool. And then the commission couldn't defeat him. So then they bought I him I just out. also think, oh, you know how epic Luciano is when Luciano tells you leave yeah. and you leave. Yeah, <laughs> Luciano's freaking Because I also remember, remember when Luciano had his whole conference in Cuba yeah. about the drug smuggling. I mean, Capone was there. Yeah. So, I mean, they must have been buddies. Yeah. Oh, guys, it's born in the wrong era. Do you think the people back then saw it as, wow, I'm living in such interesting times, or were they just, like, annoyed? Well, I mean, that's why it's called the Roaring Twenties. I mean, they must have been having a great time. I mean, okay, I suppose there were people, like, if you were living living in those those ghetto, yeah. not nice yeah. places, I feel like you weren't having a great time. Yeah. But if you're living Gatsby life, you're having the time, you're having of, your a time of your life. <laughs> if you haven't watched Gatsby... I don't know who you are. Like, I don't know who you are if you haven't watched The Great Gatsby. (laughs) Who hasn't watched The Great Gatsby? That's just sad. Stop it. Stop doing it to yourself. Read the book as well. The book (gasps) is also really good. If Scott Fitzgerald does such an amazing thing with that book. Yeah. Oh, my word. We studied it for school. Me too. (laughs) Uh, 
the it best was, thing my school ever did for me. I no, promise listen, you. It was I the, passed that section so well. It was the only book I actually enjoyed reading. <laughs> yeah. They gave us all these other nonsense books, but that book, oh, I was like, let's go, let's, let's go, go to English, yeah, let's go to English. So yes, 1920s Al Capone, guys. It's just a special place in my heart. Yeah. But I think that is all for this week. So till next time. No mourners, no funerals. Like what you're listening to? Follow us on Twitter at Active Instagram at Active Triple Seven, and Facebook at Forward Slash Active